flood. I thought I thought it was getting ready for Noah's flood, but boy, I, I tell you what, you ever listen to those songs? I like that one, that second one they sang, Still Water, where the, I just kept thinking about the Lord and them guys. He's out there in the middle of the boat, and it's, it's flopping all over the place, and uh, and he feels it too. I mean, there's no way he could not feel that, but he's sleeping. He don't care. And so many times we care about stuff we shouldn't even worry about, and he doesn't care. If he don't care, why do I care? So I'm sitting there going, you know, they're sitting there, one of these days that water's going to steal. He's already stilled it in my heart 43 years ago. But one of these days, I mean, the, the, the ocean's going to calm down, and we're going to walk across the thing. It's going to be gone. And you're going to head to Butyl Land. And I'm telling you what, when you get out of here, uh, there is nothing like what he's got for us out there. Nothing. Zero. This place has nothing. we got to get up in the morning, got to do our thing. But I'm telling you what, your mindset should always be on the other side of there. So, Andrew, you ready? If you don't put this on, they're going to flash you. I'll tell you right now. Testing. Amen. Increase his paycheck. All right. Got a little bit soggy working in the back there. And the, to use a nautical term, the back end of the church was sinking. <laughs> we were torpedoed or something. There was a there was a crisis back there, and I don't know if Steve's come back. He could have went down with the back end of the church. Pray, pray for whoever's manning the bilge pumps in the back. Amen. I'm glad to be here. Glad uh, the creek actually didn't rise enough to prevent us all from being in church today. If there ever was a time for the Lord willing and the creek don't rise, I'm not sure what was rising outside, but it was flooding into the back of our church like crazy. And we had some people that just happened to uh, go through enough situations like that. And we've had enough uh, water crises in the back that we had a, a team prepared and ready to go. And uh, I was I was glad that I actually got to be up here and I didn't get stuck in the back and get washed away and we're going to do some preaching tonight. Lord willing and the creek doesn't rise and the tornado seems to be passed so I think we're all good there. Hopefully everybody made it who's coming and uh, we're going to enjoy church tonight. Amen. Well, hopefully well, you better enjoy church. You don't have too many services left until we're home with the Lord and that's where I want to be. I wouldn't mind if you came tonight. Solve a lot of problems for me. I'm sure it'd solve a lot of problems for you. But if he doesn't, we got to figure out a way to endure at least until Wednesday and then from there until Sunday and on and on and on until he chooses to come back. Amen. Um, let me see here. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, brother, could you go ahead and open up the service tonight? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Good to have you back. I think it's no coincidence, it's been raining all day, that I have a message that has something to do about surviving storms and uh, building something that was capable of surviving storms and sometimes rebuilding things that have failed uh, in a storm. And I think it's important that kind of have the mindset uh, of every day, the fact that we are building something, you're building something somewhere. If you turn with me into the book of Matthew, chapter number 7, I believe it is, Matthew uh, chapter number 7, this is kind of the end of many of the things that Jesus Christ has preached on, 
and Matthew number uh, 5, 6, and 7. And at the end of this, he kind of caps it off talking about a wise man and a foolish man and, and what happens if you choose to do what he says to be a wise man and what happens if you choose to do what he says to be a foolish man. And I think at any given point in our lives, we ought to stop and see, man, am I, am I fitting the definition of the wise man or am I fitting the definition of the foolish man? Am I doing in the present, am I planning for the future uh, things that will make me wise in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ in doing the things that he says to do? Uh, I think of Paul here as I was preparing for this message. I kind of thought of Paul uh, who calls himself a master builder. And Paul, when he met the Lord, he did the same thing that the wise man did, and he did the same thing that the foolish man did. In step one, the Bible says that he that heareth, the Bible says, and I probably should get there myself, being that I'm a little ADHD, ADD, autistic, whatever my brain is that you would call it. I get a little squirrely in my head. If you don't think I am, just look at my kids. They're exact replicas of me, I believe, sometimes, and bouncing all over the place. So for me, it's good to have outlines. It's good to have uh, a system where I can follow, because I'll go all over the place if I don't. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. All right, now it's important to note that he's talking about the wise man here, but if we go to Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine. So, Christian, the first kind of introductory point is that hearing is important. It's part of what you need. It's one of the parts that you need to successfully become a wise person in the eyes of the Lord and actually do something that he wants you to do. But the foolish person also heard. And you can, be, you can be in church, you can be in the right place, and this place exists for you to hear things that you are supposed to hear, but hearing is only half the equation. And if all you do is hear, then you can very well likely go through life living and being a fool. Even hearing the words of the Lord. This was the Lord Jesus Christ talking. So not only were they not hearing these perfect words of God through the, the messed up uh, vessel sometimes of man where we have problems and we have trials and we have cracks and chinks and all the things that we've defined as being imperfect vessels. They were hearing it from the perfect vessel, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were still people that came to the Lord, that heard the, war, the Lord, and that walked away being fools. And that's an important thing to know, that you can be in church, but being in church is not all the equation. Sitting down and hearing everything that is preached in the right church is not all the equation. The Bible says that Paul did not, when he heard the words of the Lord, step one. So we, we go to uh, Acts, and it's talking about you know, Paul's conversion there. And he, he, he sees a light, and he hears Paul or Saul, Saul. Is it hard to kick against the pricks? That means, Paul, are you sick of doing what is wrong? Are you sick of messing up? So therefore, Paul's response was, Lord, what will thou have me to hear? No, he already heard. The Lord came down and said, Paul, you messed up, kicking against the pricks. He didn't come down and say, Saul, Saul, uh, you know, you're kind of doing some things right here and everything seems to be working, but maybe we should just try this a different one. No, no he said, you, you're kicking against the pricks. You're kicking the cactus. You're kicking the thorns. You're kicking the briar bush. Are you sick of that? That means you're, you're messing up. 
You're not doing what is right, Paul. Paul says, all right, well, that's easy for me to say. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? If what I'm doing right now is wrong, what do I need to be doing? And then he went ahead and did it. And that is the key to the Christian life. If you want to be a successful Christian, if you want to build something successful, there's two things you got to do. you got to hear it, and you got to do it. Amen. That's it. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, and he may tell you while you're reading your Bible, he may tell you while you sit down to pray, he may tell you while uh, your wife gives you a good idea because she watches you and she says, hey, you're being an idiot, why don't you do this? Uh, many times it's going to be through this pulpit right here. And oftentimes we just keep asking, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you, you want me to tell you the 28th time? Are you going to do something with what I tell you to do? Most of the time, from what I've seen in Christians, from what I've seen in my own life, as the first Christian that I ought to be studying, is that we hear way too much and we do way too little. Amen. We hear way too much, especially given this church, we hear way too much, we do way too little with what we hear. And at some point in time, the storms are going to come, and God is going to test the building. He'll test the building of somebody who hears and does nothing, and he'll test the exact same building, the same storm built right next to the house that is on the same stream, that has heard the word of God and done something with it. And the outcome is entirely up to you. The outcome is entirely up to you. So step one, you've got to be in a place where you can hear the word of God. This is, these types of verses, these types of chapters start to blow holes in the idea that you don't have to be in a church. Okay, And I'm going to go through some detailed things here about why uh, if you think you can exist as a Christian outside of a local church, you are in for a very rough time as a Christian. You are setting yourself up for disaster uh, in the same way that some guy who knows absolutely nothing about building would decide and go build a building without consulting anybody or without using any tools. You're setting yourself up for that kind of disaster. Now, the Bible says here in Matthew chapter number uh, 7, we'll just go ahead and read the whole thing. Therefore, verse 24, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, or doeth them, I will liken him uh, unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, this is the counter, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings of the people, and that's by these sayings, you know, all the way back into chapter 5, 6, 7, uh, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And that's important to know because the scribes apparently were doing a lot of talking and very little doing. And I find myself, at, like I said, it's good to just kind of look at your own life and just preach to you. you just, if I just preach to me, believe me, you'll, it'll hit some of you in here, I'm sure. Some of you guys are like, oh, you should be preaching. Believe me, I am tonight. I am trying as best I can to only preach to Andrew Elliott. Because I know there have been parts of my building that have uh, foundational issues. They've been built in the wrong places. They got cracks. They got whole sections in some cases have fallen apart. And it's good to just sit back when something like that happens and say, "What did I do wrong? And what are we going to do to fix the problem going forward?" A lot of people will never do that. They'll let stuff fall apart and they'll just blame, "Well, this person over here, this person over." No, 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 no. Listen, if you if you build your building wrong and it falls apart, own it, fix what is wrong, rebuild the thing. Amen. 
If you find yourself, there's another great passage in the Bible that I've just been stewing on. on uh, you know, these are kind of left open-ended. Just got, the building fell apart, and it's almost like the guy just sat there and watched the whole thing fall apart and never did anything for the rest of his life. It's kind of the same situation as that, that talent that got buried in the ground, and, and it's like he just buried indefinitely, and there was never a thought in the guy's head, you know this Lord is going to come back eventually, <laughs> and I, I need to go get the shovel. It's a whole other message in and of itself, but I, I need to go get a shovel, and I need to go dig that thing up and try to do something with it before he comes back. Until the Lord comes back, even if you have a fallen apart flat building, and I love preaching this type of stuff in the jail, because most of those guys there, they're wearing the colors that let them know and let everybody else know that a good chunk of their life has fallen apart because something was unstructurally built. And they know it, and I know it, and we read the Bible, and they get something out of it, and it helps them. Because they know, man, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a foundation here, and that's it. And I tried to build half on the foundation. I tried to build half in the sand, or I tried to build all in the sand, and, and the rains came, and they came over and over again. And I, half the time, it just keeps falling, and I don't even want to try anymore. And I'm just looking at this foundation, and I'm saved, and I know I'm saved. And there's a foundation there, and I don't know what to do. It's a lot harder to build on the foundation than what many of us may think which is why sometimes we constantly build something and it falls, and we build and we fall, and we build and we fall. And it takes a lot longer to build a building than most of us think. When we get in the Christian life, like what Brother Joe mentioned earlier, you get, especially when you're young, you get saved young, so everything's sped up, and then you thinking you have to build the Christian life, like you have to get to where Dr. Peacock is in five years. <laughs> it took him 50 to get there. And you think for some reason all this is going to happen in two or three or four years, you're going to get all this information. I'm young and I'm, and I'm able to learn and I'm able to, to research things. And, I'm able to, and it's going to take 50 years of building for the building to be solid. And you're going to have to rebuild some things. and think, think Some parts are going to fall off. The storms are going to come through. And maybe the whole building doesn't fall down. Maybe you'll lose a couple of shingles here and there. Maybe the window cracks. You've got you to gotta fine-tune some things as you build the building. But ultimately, Christian, you've got to stick with the project. It can't be something that you just stop building because a storm comes through and causes you some problems or it washes the entire thing away. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, you ought to continue building your building, no matter what it looks like, no matter how, how it fails sometimes, how the devil gets in and just, just gets you to do something or gets you to, puts an idea in your head and, or the world comes in and you think you need to build your life over here on part of the world and you try to build half over here and half over here and the Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and you got half your house fall over. I mean, if we take this church right here, we just rotated it, or we just moved it over, shifted it six inches, this side would be fine, maybe. This side over here, the whole side of the building would fall down. There's a lot of Christians that do that. I've noticed, especially in the last couple of years, we've had several people come in, and they stay 5, 10, 15 years, and they leave. Why? Because not everything's on, sitting on the foundation. There's a good chunk of them on the, in the foundation here in the church and where they need to be and in the Bible, and the other half is out there in the world. You can't do that, Christian. You either got to pick one and love it, and you got to hate the other one. So either pick God and love God, or pick the devil and the world and the flesh and hate God. And be honest with yourself, but don't try to play both sides of the fence. You will fall apart. Go build your, your building out there and forget the foundation to let the wood and the hay and the stubble and all the stuff that the Bible says all over in Psalm, the chaff that drive, the wind drives away, and it ends up right on your foundation. you got a concrete slab with just junk piled all over it year after year after year, and the world has deposited brush and rubble, and you look just like uh, the, uh, the Beaver Creek waste site over there after the tornado, and they just dumped all kinds of trash there. Where, where there should have been a building, there's now a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble and junk. Pick one or the other. 
The Bible, the Bible says that God expects you to either be hot or cold, and he hates it when you're lukewarm. Amen. Either let yourself be a dump or let yourself be a building and try hard to build right. The Bible says here that hearing is step one, but hearing does not build your building in the right place or on the wrong foundation, right foundation. So, Christian number one, you are building something somewhere. You're building your life on something, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. Every day you wake up and you start building something on some foundation. And the wise man builds in two ways. He builds by hearing what is right to do and doing what is right to do based on what he hears. And it's important, I will stress this immediately, that if you hear what is wrong, you cannot build what is right. You cannot do right with something that you heard that is not right. So if you are getting your information from the wrong places, how in the world do you expect to build a Christian life the right way? Amen. Okay? So if I was to, let's, I'm going to use some, some uh, conceptual ideas from the building we have here. Brother Stahl, if, I, if, the, if the engineer, and we're going to say the engineer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the architect is the Lord Jesus Christ, he talks over at Ephesians about uh, building up to the stature and fullness of, uh, of Christ, and that's the goal, that's the ultimate goal that we're all building towards individually and collectively at the same time. If, I, if the engineering drawings called for steel, 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 and you come up and show up with rubber beams, number one, hopefully you're around somebody who says, that's a dumb idea, you shouldn't do that. Like whoever told you you need to be putting rubber beams up here is, is an idiot. But number two, hopefully you send it back and say, that isn't what I need to be building. That is not what the plan called for. That's not what the drawings call for. I need steel beams because this building is going to have to sit on steel beams because the weight and the structure and the way it's built has to have steel beams and it has to have this many of them. And you know, a lot of Christians don't even care what shows up. They don't, it does, material shows up, they don't care what they're building with. The Bible says, gold, silver, precious stones, gold, silver, precious stones. Gold, silver, precious stones. Those are the things you ought to be building your building with. So when something shows up in your life and you identify it as not being gold, silver, precious stones, why do you pick it up and try to do something with it? See, the world will try to make you deals all day long. It'll try to sell you, oh, you don't need, you don't need a stone on the outside. Yeah, you get this you know, vinyl stuff. That'll be just fine. Well, I'll tell you, if you're trying to build to withstand whatever in the locality that you're trying to build, you better figure out what the locality is going, what kind of storms and what kind of tornadoes and hurricanes, what, what kind of stuff you've got to endure. It's people that build Christian lives over in Africa and, and places like that, places like uh, the Middle East, they've got to have a lot stronger building materials than people in the, in the Americas. They've got to endure a lot more things than we do here. Now, granted, we have different things that, they, that we have to endure that they don't have to endure over there. We've got to endure a lot more of the world. They've got to endure a lot more straight-up persecution. Different building materials, but still trying to build the same building that can withstand wherever it's built all the things that the devil in the world in that area is going to try to throw at you. Are you bothering to figure out what kind of building materials you need, what kind of spiritual structure you need to be building to withstand the world, the flesh, and the devil when it throws stuff at you every day, sometimes every hour? I work in a place that plays rock and roll music nonstop. I probably know more rock songs than half of you guys, and I, there's nothing, not much I can do about it. Go find another job. Sometimes it's easier said than done. I can ask you all to pray for another job for me. That doesn't solve my problem right now. I've got to figure out a way to get that stuff out of my head and to put stuff into my head more so than many of you may have to do because I have to sit in that mess all day long. 
and just constantly, yeah, it can just, it can constantly burn you out. Have you ever tried to uh, run a Christian song through your head with Britney Spears playing in the background? <laughs> you ever try to do that for seven or eight or ten hours straight? I know some of you all have to do that. You sit in warehouse environments, you sit in manufacturing facilities, or you've done it to take care of your families, and you've got to endure that nonsense, kind of understand just a smidge about what it's like to grow up in a public school and have all the people around you just gravitate to that nonsense, and you've got to sit there and try to figure out how to deal with it. You better be building a really strong Christian building. You better figure out, hey, where am I going to get my building supplies? Well, maybe I should figure out, if I want to figure that out, maybe I should get around some people who know how to build. See, that's where it's important to be in church. And Paul calls himself over, and I believe it's, um, oh, where was it? 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 9 is somewhere around there. He calls himself a master, but let's just go over there. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. It's important. The, the whole, there's several verses there that all kind of tie together. Well, Andrew, your building's falling apart. Yeah, you know what it is. We all are at some point. If, to be honest, I think we all just sat there and did a very detailed look of every part of our buildings, we find cracks, we find, we find stress fractures, we find things that are not held together correctly, and I'm trying to do something about mine. And hopefully, you are trying to do something about yours, because when the Lord comes back, I want something to be standing on the foundation that He laid. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So we have an order here established. Uh, ownership, number one. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now, at this point, owned by God. Your framework, your structure, the, the plans, everything there, that the plot is now owned by God. It's His. Um, ye are God's husband, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God, which was given unto me as a wise. There is that word wise, not just, not just a foolish master builder. Believe me, there's plenty of foolish master builders that you can get information from if you want. They're out there. They'll show you how to build anything in the world that won't stand the test of time when you stand before God and you'll be judged for that. You'll have everything taken away from you. You won't have any gold, silver, precious stones. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man, every man, every man labors. So we have God who's the owner of the plot. We have Jesus Christ who's the foundation. When he buys you, that foundation gets installed all right, it gets installed. If nothing else, you'll have a good foundation. And Paul, the Bible says that Paul is the one who laid the foundation. So that everything we have here in the Pauline Doctrine is all the foundational things about Jesus Christ that are there for you to build upon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So how do you take heed? What are things that you need to be considering when you build? Well, number one, you need to consider the high cost of that foundation being built in your life. There is an extremely high cost uh, in the world of building with building foundations. And I'm not just talking about like the cookie cutter houses out here that Ryan Holmes, as uh, you may find out down the road, they're just grading the land, throwing a slab down, maybe some rocks and things like that, base, all that. I'm talking about like if you took a house and built it next to the seashore, which is where the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about, you realize that in some cases 30 or 40% of the total house could be just in getting to the foundation. Just the foundation. There, are been, there have been plenty of projects that I know of that have gone bankrupt before they even got the foundation laid because of how much it costs to lay the foundation. Now, 
like I mentioned out here, Ryan Homes, a lot of the houses, you know, it's, it's the land's already kind of prepared. They have a grading company come in, and five, six years later, somebody buys the plot. It's already kind of pre-ready. You know, if you're in church, you don't have to, you may not have to dig through a lot of junk to get to solid ground that you can build on. But many of y'all have had to dig through a lot of mud and muck, and it was a very expensive process from the Lord, cost a lot for him to get to the point where he could lay a foundation in your life. See, salvation is not something that costs every person here the same. It costs a lot of people a lot of hardships and a lot of heartaches and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and it costs them a lot of time that they had to endure and they had to live through before, and a lot of bad experiences before the Lord got to the bottom of things and laid the foundation there. There's a high cost with your foundation. The sad thing is that some, some Christians experience all the time it takes. This is what we run into in the jails in particular. All the stuff that God has to run them through to get them saved, and that's all they ever do. That's all they ever do. they got a foundation. Whoop-de-doo. you got a foundation. That is great. That gets you into heaven. And it costs a lot for the Lord Jesus Christ to build that. It costs him a lot, number one. But it costs you a lot as well. And with all that cost, you decide to quit and you bankrupt the expedition because you don't want to do any more with what he has. That must be frustrating to the Lord, seeing him, all the stuff that he does to, and all the, all the things he has envisioned for that property. You think of some of the greatest properties that I've seen, and you know, they end up, it's like, here's the plans, and they show you a picture of the plans, and they do the 3D renderings and all that stuff, and then they show you what actually the property looked like, and it's literally just a slab. Why? Because somebody ran out of money because somebody did not consult correctly, because somebody did not bother to figure out what it would actually take, and then on top of that, they did not actually go through with anything. They heard a bunch of stuff, but they didn't actually do anything with the property. That's what we run into. That's the problem I feel like in many cases myself. I run into where I have a lot of ideas in my head, and sometimes your ideas, you have too many of those, and you don't do anything with the ideas. Sometimes it's better to have one idea and do something with it than it is to have 20 or 30 ideas and do nothing with any of them. That was free advice. It cost me a lot. Just log that away. So it's important to have a good foundation. That is step one. It's important to remember the high cost of that foundation being laid in your life, Christian. But beyond that, beyond that, if you are going to build a building, not just a building that foundationally is sure, as we're talking about in Matthew, where it's going to fall, but as far as the actual building itself, staying in place and being able to weather the storms of life like we just dealt with out here, this building has, has dealt with so many storms, and we've, we've dealt with high winds. I remember back in, uh, was it 2005-ish, Hurricane Ike came through, and I mean, there was just trees all over the place. The building's still here. This building was built to be able to endure that kind of once-every-hundred-year storm. Fortunately, we have some people in place that at least the floods can be mitigated, but outside of that, that's about the only problem we really have here with the building. Everything else has been engineered correctly to be able to withstand the storms that happened in Dayton, Ohio. Dr. Peacock, down when they were building the, ch uh, the church down there, I remember the piping that they were putting in, the huge culverts, huge pipe, to be able to withstand 100-year-old storms. Every 100 years, they did just massive torrential downpour, kind of like today, only, you know, down there, it's pretty much raining cats and dogs nonstop. Uh, where we would usually have these little bursts, you know, kind of looking out the window and saying, man, you know, this, this, uh, this rain, it's kind of heavy rain. You know, my brain's just thinking, yeah, it's, you know, hot outside. It'll last about 10 or 15 minutes. And then five minutes pass and another 
downpour comes, and then five minutes pass, another downpour comes, and five minutes. You know, most of the time, this, the thing we don't understand, I think, a lot of times in here is the storm isn't just like one single storm. It can be a very prolonged storm. It can be a storm that lasts in your life 5, 10, 15 years. And how well did you build your building to be able to endure that? So a couple quick points here. We'll be done. The first one is that God is the owner of the land. He's the owner of the building. He's the architect. He's the engineer. And he puts people like Paul in as the master builder. Now, the master builder I have here, this is just pulled off Wikipedia, but it looked good. Recognized as such, now this is like, you know, master builders back in the 15th, 16th century. This is what, you know, recognized as such, not only for his ability to rear a magnificent structure after plans, 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 after plans prepared by the architect for his guidance, but because of his ability to comprehend those plans and to skillfully weave together the crude materials. Man, and I saw my name in there. I'm like, man, I am crude materials. I just feel like a piece of clay, just like a rock sometimes. Weave together the crude materials which make up the strength, harmony, and beauty of the stately edifice which grows in his hands from a made foundation to a magnificent habitation. You know what Paul was able to do? He was able to take everything that God gave him and say, this is how you take a bunch of nothing. As we preachers often say, God, use this nothing. Well, you know what? Sometimes I feel like a block of wood. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a brick. That's all God needs, just a brick. As long as it's able to be used by him, you'd be surprised all the beauty that occurs just from somebody being able to take a bunch of crude raw materials and working on it long enough. Using available resources. So we have the engineer, we have the architect who is responsible for drafting the plans of your life, and it's the same plan for all of us in here. The master builder, which is Paul, and then underneath Paul, all the other tools that you're going to need, you're going to need the funding, the monetary, side of things. The Bible talks about sitting down to build a tower and, you know, you run out of funds and all you got is, what does it say? The foundation. You laid the foundation. Again, foundations are very costly to lay. Right. You lay the foundation, you don't have anything else to build there on, and you look like a fool. What makes me happy sometimes is when I see, when I watch these videos of people that they lay a foundation in 10 or 15 years, they come back and you say, you know what, I... I ran out of money, but I figured out a way to get what was required to start building on that foundation again, and they finished the project 20 years later. Most people will never do that. Most people will get so defeated by the fact that they, they quit, and everybody dumped on them, and they said, oh, you're a loser. There's nothing that says that you can't lay the foundation. You, mess, you, make, you made a mistake on the books, and you didn't account for something properly, but you don't figure out a way, Christian. You don't figure out a way to fix that problem and and if it's an accounting issue, if it's a material issue, if it's you didn't have the proper people in place or whatever, find a way to get something built right on that piece of land. That's what the Lord expects from you. You may not be able to get ten talents worth of something. You may not be able to get this magnificent mansion, but, man, when the Lord comes back, there ought to be something there. A couple of sticks, some, some walls, some framing, something. Using available resources, funds, tools. You have all the tools available right here. You have everything that Paul has laid out. He's laid, it's like he, he got the job site set up and he got all the toolboxes outside 
And all you have to do is just figure out how to use everything. Now, i got a question for you. i got a question. This is why, getting back to the importance of church, just another way of understanding it. How many people in here, we've got about five minutes till we're done, how many people in here feel like they could build this entire building by themselves? Can I get a raise of hands? Brother Barry, all right. Uh, all future construction projects, we will put him in charge, alone. We ex- we'll just, whoever's got the list, wherever George is at, we'll go get the list of all the things. How many people, if I gave you five or six strong backs, as Brother, uh, Brother Holbrook says, five or six strong backs and weak minds, if I handed you five or six people underneath of you, do you feel like you could build this entire building by yourself in those five or six people? Raise your hands. Be honest. There, okay, there we go. That's what. Now, how many people, if I stuck Mike Stahl, my dad, and who else we got in here, Brother Rich up here, feel like they could get this entire building built by themselves, I expect every hand to go up. So you're going to try to build your Christian life. You're going to try to build the kids. And you're not going to utilize, where's, where's Brother Adam, Brother Tim? More importantly, parents, you're the one who's responsible for primarily most of the building when they're young. It's good to bring in specialists. They have master plumbers. They have master electricians. They have master carpenters. You wouldn't want to get a master carpenter to do electrical work, would you? But you need one if you want the building to stay in place, to actually hold the wiring in place and everything else. You want, the, you want to be able to use the building? You better find a master plumber. You got preachers, teachers. Apostle, you got all those different things, right? Underneath that master builder, but he gave everybody else there. Why? For the perfecting. If we took this building and we just ripped out all the internals, it would fall apart. If we ripped out all the plumbing, it would be useless for this church. If we took out all the lighting, good luck trying to preach. Without a candle light up there. It would be, it would be, if we took out the heating, good luck coming to church in the wintertime. We don't have a stove up here. Every piece is important. It all needs to be fitly framed together. Every joint, every individual thing, all the nails and the screws that you don't see was put there by somebody who knew what they were doing. So, Christian, if you're trying to build your life by yourself outside of church, number one, you're probably going to end up not building on the foundation because you won't have anybody to say, hey, buddy, you're building the wrong thing in the wrong place. There's been plenty of projects that I've showed up on where I've either seen a barn or a shed or some part of something where somebody built something on the wrong thing because they thought they knew what they were doing, and they built it right on the mud. The Bible says over in Luke chapter number 6, I believe it is, it's it's the parallel passage of this, and it talks about uh, not just the sand, but it says they built it on the earth with no foundation. Why? Because there's a high cost to the foundation. To get everything straight, to get everything plumb, to get the building solid, There's a high cost to that, and most people don't want to spend that cost. Well, once you get that cost built and the foundation built, it is up to you, Christian, for what this is worth, to find people that can guide you because they are master variants of what God has put them in place to be, and you hazard your building experience trying to go alone without them. You do that. Just the same as if we would try to build this building in here without him, without him, and without Brother Rich. It will fail. It will fall. Why? Because that's the way we designed the engineering code to force, guys, force us to pay guys like that. <laughs> 
Why? Because some college needs to make money on... No, no, no. I mean, honestly, they do it so the building doesn't fall down. So people can utilize the building for whatever it's intended to be used for. And if the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord is... That we are the Lord's temples, that's a very, very important building that the Lord wants built right. And it's unfortunate that many, many temples over the last couple years have collapsed because they are part in this church and part out in the stinking world. It frustrates me. It irritates me. It drives me nuts. And I find, you know what I find myself doing? Constantly starting to look at myself, how much of that am I building on? And you know what? Sometimes you got to tear. you got to tear. You built it. You spent the time to build it. Now go get the excavator, tear that stuff down, take the material if there's anything salvageable, and start building in the right place. Because this is the only place where things are going to stand and last. It's where God designed it to be built. And that's not really complicated. That's not, a, that's not some crazy sermon. It's just some things that I pulled out of Matthew chapter number 7. But more importantly, this is one of those caveats, is there may be many or some of us, maybe I'm the only one who's had a good chunk of his building or part of his building collapse. The question is, Christian, what are you going to do when that happens? What are you going to do when you fail bad? I have written here, point number three, this is it. If you fail, find out why you failed, fix the problem, and start building again. And until the Lord comes back, he's given you an opportunity. Just like that Lord gave that guy all that time with that, that talent he buried in the ground. Who knows how many years that talent was there. But every day that that talent sat there, it was the day that the Lord had given him yet another period of time to go out and get that shovel. And even if he would have done it the last day and made a few cents off of it, the Lord would have come back. Just the last day, the Lord would have come back and said, you made something with what I gave you. And he would have got some, it would have been the difference between him getting a reward and being cast out. And failing is natural, it's going to happen, but you've got to figure out a way to go from failure to doing something again with what the Lord has given you. Amen. That'll be it.